Brooke, thank you so much. And I, I work here at the River Church for the sake of affirmation. That's really what I get paid in. And thank you. That is so sweet. And I actually have a, a super big treat today. My beautiful wife is, is teaching with me today. So Braylon. Um, and there was only one stool, so I'm going to stand by the bar and put out the vibe. Anyone? What's that from? Anyone? Come on, dumb and dumber. If you don't know it, now you know. Um, so it's so good to be with you. And yeah, these are flowers that were planted. Like, when did you plant these? I just, like, for the first time in my life, dropped seeds like a year ago. I've never done that before. I just, like, sprinkled them. And they've been blooming every morning. I pull up the boys' blinds, and they're just, like, shining. It makes me so happy. So I wanted to bring them because it doesn't make you so happy. They're so pretty. <laughs> I'm going to get her her own mic. Is that okay? That way it's not a, uh... there's one right there. Look at that. They're already prepped. Thank you so much. So it's a standalone message, which is kind of my favorite thing in the universe. When it's like, hey, we have just a message, preach on anything in the world that you want. And I was pretty excited because I had no idea, literally no idea up until like Tuesday, what I even wanted to, like what scripture in the ocean of passages, where do you go? There's so much. And then also what people are thinking about, what's going through your minds and hearts and lives. And I had this sense that, I don't know, in our life right now, we're thinking a lot about, in May especially, thinking about like summer plans, like what's coming next, figuring out where you're going to be. Kids are moving from one grade to the other. It's a season of transitions. And so we thought, I thought about the future. Like how many of you are thinking somewhere in your hearts about the future? Like I'm not going to ask you what, but just how many of you have something in your mind about the future? What's that? That's a lot. At the beach, there's like two people. No one is thinking about their future at the beach. They're all not. It's a bunch of hippies, but y'all are thinking about your future. And it's funny because it doesn't matter like what age you get to, I'm finding at least. I think I'm at the, I like to think of myself as halftime. 41, I'm right, I'm at the halfway point, I hope. Um, maybe I'll make it a little longer than that, but maybe not. But it doesn't matter, like when you're in your 20s, like my students at Biola are just thinking about their future constantly. They come in office hours, that's the number one thing. It's like, oh, I just, what? what am I going to do after graduation? It's the number one question they all have. So it's dramatic and it's in their face. But the sort of sneaky truth is you find out as you get older, oh, wait, it just doesn't kind of end. Like, what's the next thing? And you think, well, once you're empty nesters, maybe that's when it'll be, you know, all you're done. How many empty nesters are you still thinking about your future? A few. <laughs> all right. So it doesn't end. You're thinking about it. And, and if you're like me, First of all, you're a bit neurotic and strange. And if you're like me, I actually have this weird lie in my head. It's just sort of like a little leprechaun that lives up there and whispers this to me. It whispers this. Not literally, if you're like new here, sorry, I promise I'm not hearing it. But this is the impression I get, is this. Well, James, that's as good as it's going to get. Today is the apogee. Today is the best day. Starting tomorrow, it all starts to fall apart. You'll lose your job. Your health goes downhill. Your relationships, your kids go crazy. Your daughter starts vaping. It all starts. She's right there, so I'm just going <laughs> to. It all starts immediately downhill. It's a weird lie. And it's like the footsteps that I sort of hear kind of behind me and I'm trying to stay ahead of is the footsteps of the other shoe dropping, something bad happening, the, 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 the health issue that's going to hit me, the financial, the whatever it is. So the idea of thinking about the future, for me, sometimes it's optimistic, but a lot of times it also comes with the unknown, and that's a scary place to be. And so we thought, like, I thought, first of all, this setup, these flowers sit in our window. We have this cute little corner window, and we could see over the roof of our neighbor's house, over the roof, we could see the beautiful Pacific Ocean and a little bit of the Queen's Necklace. It's this amazing, in my opinion, one of the greatest views in the world. And we'll sit there in the evenings after we get our kids all situated with whatever they're doing. Michelle's normally reading her Bible from the hours of 6 to 10, so that's nice. And then we'll sit together. And we'll just talk. And we'll say, Bray, how's your heart? And she'll say, James, how's your heart? And we'll kind of enter into each other's world. And it's there over the years that the most incredible, like, 
hardships we've had to negotiate, the most beautiful risks we've ever taken, they sort of are born in these places of like, here's where I'm scared. Here's where, and, and so Bray, she's not a public speaker by trade. She's easy. On, <laughs> she's easy on the eyes though. So I figured bring her up here and no, um, but she is legitimately, she lives in a place of faith. Like I believe Lord help me with my unbelief. That's kind of my thing. I really do believe this stuff, but I have to constantly sort of refocus back in. Um, I could say funny words or, or I could put together nice structured sermons, but this woman lives in this place of faith. And I'm just, I know it just sounds like words here and I'm trying to score points. I'm really not. Like this is where she comes from. So I go, Bray, would you please join me in this message? And she's so excited about it. It's like public speaking is my thing. With that being said, I'm going to read the passage, and then um, I promise I'm not going to mansplain this whole entire message, okay? She's going to have a lot of things to say, too. So let's read the passage. Um, babe, would you read it for us? You read it for us. Okay. Please. Sorry. No, no. Really quick. When I read it. Is this not on? Okay. Um, when I'm reading it. Think, like, this struck me while I was reading it a million times this week. Um, there is an active role, like God. So listen for any time it's referencing God. And then listen for any time it's referencing you. So be paying attention to those things. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So beautiful. Um, so we have some images. Bray, Bray's like an artist. If you know her, she's kind of like an interior designer slash makes things happen. And there are a few images. The first one's the one of the, let's see here. I think the order's. We're going to try to put them up. I actually printed some out as backup just in case they don't go up. There it is. Okay, boom. So this first picture, um, when we talk about, why don't you first, yeah, you can intro the picture, then I'll do my, my bit. Yeah. Oh, whatever, yeah. Yeah, whatever you want, babe. <laughs> okay, so this is just a picture I found online of a meadow. And I had this, like, um, this is going to lose like half of you and you might not come back. I like to do imaginary prayer. And so the first time that I was doing this, like accidentally without knowing what it was called, um, I saw myself in my imagination in this meadow, like, and it looks a lot like this in my brain. And I didn't, I wasn't reading Psalm 23 at the time, so it didn't have that um, element. But then as I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, that's why you brought it to mind. And this is where I love to meet Jesus in my imagination when I'm sitting with him. But um, this is the green pasture. This is where it's beautiful and there's nothing for you to do but frolic and enjoy. And it's safe and there's food and it's great. Yes, it's beautiful, this, and... Um this image. So to give you the uh, briefly, think about ancient Near Eastern shepherding. So this whole passage brings you immediately to thinking about a world that's a lot like if you imagine Temecula during a like non-developed Temecula. Okay, that's pretty much the ecology, climate, and even topography of ancient Israel. How many of y'all been to Israel before? Anyone? So did anyone feel like, am I in Southern California? Did someone just like blindfold me and spin me around and make me pay them a lot of money just to help me look at Southern California landscape? That's a lot of the landscape of the ancient Near East, particularly along the coast and the land of Israel. And so this image is actually, it's a, it's a powerful psalm, but it puts you immediately into that place of 
who are you and who is God? And it's setting up very clearly God, Yahweh is the actual, using God's proper name. Yahweh is your shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. He is the one leading me through. And, and then these pictures of, we get our word pastoral. If you, you maybe knew this, maybe you didn't. The term pastoral, it actually is a reference to shepherding. That's why that term is used in like ministry terms. But God being the shepherd is taking these sheep and he's setting them up in places where they are able to lay down. If you, The realities that are sketched out in this psalm, and we'll look at a couple pieces as we kind of go through, but the realities, what I love about scripture is it's so honest about the world and the happenings of the world. So in this psalm, you have darkness, you have enemies, you have scarcity or a potential for lack. And it's showing us how to navigate into that darkness, into that insecurity. And it begins by essentially saying like, whose are you and who are you? So when Bray was having you think about the sort of pronouns as you go through it and the the, uh, possessive pronouns, uh, his rod, his staff, he leads me. In life, when I have been the most afraid and the most kind of scared or nervous about taking a risk or about opposition and headwinds that I'm facing in something. It could be in work or in a relationship um, or just general insecurities that you walk around with. And I think we all have them. I don't know what yours are, but I know what mine, my insecurities are. The most stabilizing sort of ballast, the thing that holds me feet firm where I, I, I'm meant to be. And that allows me then to be free to like do my best work, to be the most present, to actually um, use whatever God's put in me in the most free and I think useful way is when I'm really clear about whose I am and who I am. The, it's so simple. It's so darn simple. But those pieces, it's like passages like this that are on repeat all throughout. And like last week, looking at Psalm 1, again and again, these themes come up, but it's like, do I really believe that God is my shepherd? And he's not just my shepherd, but he's a shepherd that will provide for me in powerful ways, that will lead me to places like this where I can lay down. And this other term, uh, this this image that we have of um, he leads me, he causes me to lie down in these verdant pastures. And then he, lay, he leads me by waters of abundance. And again, think Temecula, think Southern California rainfall. That's very similar to the land of Israel. And this is a picture of like, you have so much that the water is able to kind of move slowly. There's just so much of it there. Um, and there's this other picture, the next one, I think. You want to intro this one? Okay, here you go. Go for it. Okay, this one is so fun because James's mom let me pick one of three paintings that her grandfather painted in Sweden. And the other two were, like, totally different. And there was this one. And I'd always wanted a painting like this, and we have it in our kitchen. But it reminds, every time I see it in the morning, it reminds me of this passage of the leading beside quiet waters because it's a a beautiful river. It's supposed to be a river he was next to in Sweden, but it's a beautiful river and it's like calm and quiet. Where you are in this part, it's not like rushing and too dangerous to be by or it's totally protected and calm and you can drink and be nourished. And I like really love that we have that. It makes me happy like every day. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so we'll just leave that up for a minute as as we think about this. But um, it's not a massive insight. It's not a brilliant insight for me to say this to you. We live in a in a moment in history and the world where it. I picture like a crowded marketplace, like a bazaar 
where everyone's kind of leaning out of their tents and trying to get your attention. We live in this crowded marketplace of culture right now where everyone's leaning out of their little tents, their little pop-up stands, and telling you, this is who you are. Define yourself. What is your identity? This is your identity. Identify along these lines and these lines and these lines. And you know, I mean, the categories are like multiplied and endless. And the pressure, especially on like younger folks, um, but the pressure is kind of nonstop. And it's like define yourself granularly. I want you to get to the most slender, narrow category you could possibly fit in and then drive down pillars and say, this is who I am. Whether it has to do with uh, economics or gender or education or ethnicity or politics or accomplishment. I don't know what exactly the categories are operating in your life or heart, but there is no lack of voices screaming at you or people running around writing names on a name tags and trying to stick them to you. And no, put this one. This is the main one. This is the big one. And what's so beautiful and simplifying is it's like this psalm, it clears like all the clutter. It sort of hits mute on all those voices, like one of those AirPod commercials, just mutes it out. And it says, listen to the voice of your shepherd, Adonai Roi. The Lord is your shepherd, is my shepherd, Adonai Roi. And you will not lack. It's such a powerful piece that I think in our life as we're talking about hard things that we've been through, and I'm not gonna regale you with all of these things, but there's been a number, those of you that have walked with us in our lives there's been a number of times where it's just, you felt so vulnerable and you felt so discouraged and like just kicked when you're down. And it's in those moments, no circumstance changing fixed the problem. It was truly reorienting my heart and my mind and going, am I truly God's sheep? And um, and this, this line, I love this passage right here. This is in um, verse four. Um, I just like to say the Hebrew because it sounds like I'm really smart. But it says, but even indeed, even indeed if I walk through the valley, and it's this kind of combined word, it's literally like deathly shadow. If I walk through the valley of the deathly shadow, and I don't know if you've ever been in a place where it's so dark, you almost feel it, like, this room or this place is so dark, I actually feel like I can taste the darkness, like I can put my arm through it. And there's a sense of terror when it's so dark, and, it, and you're like, oh man, I need a nightlight. This is spooky. This is a picture of walking through, you hear the footsteps of your shepherd. You can hear his breath. You know that he's with you, and so you're going through, and it's pitch black, but you're like, I know that I'm with my shepherd. I hear his voice and I'm not scared. And I know that there are people in this room, a lot of you right now are walking through some of those valleys of the Tselmavek, the deathly shadow. The beautiful truth of this passage is the circumstances, the darkness, or the enemies that are mentioned here, those are all addressed and they're not like ignored. God's going to make it all great. Happiness, lollipops, and, and jujubes. Does anyone eat jujubes anymore? I don't know. Instead, it, it acknowledges these dark places and these scary places, but it's like, I, am, I will fear. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And if you're with me, I feel so confident. I feel so safe. So that's kind of something. Babe, why don't you, like, I, so we've been, Basically, what happened was we were having one of those evenings, but we rode our bikes down to the Esplanade, and we're sitting there, and we're just talking about just life, and it led us to this, talking about this psalm, and then he was like, oh, I have such a great idea. Why don't we speak together? And I was like, that is like the worst idea I've ever heard. But he's like, no, 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 we'll just, is it not on? Oh, we'll just have a conversation. It's fine. So I agreed to it, but I didn't know. So we'd been meditating on this passage like all week long, and I've listened to it a billion times. And I just learned, because James explained it to me, the rod and staff difference. So, I mean, I'm not, I've never been around sheep really 
and so I don't really understand. No, big like, background in sheep. I don't have a big background in sheep, a little bit, like at the zoo, <laughs> but that's about it. But he was like, there's a difference. So the rod, tell, why don't you? Oh, oh let's see this. Yeah, I guess if this is more my voice. Yeah, yeah. That one's more for your voice. Okay. Um, it's really beautiful. So like your rod and your staff per- protect me. These two terms, the Hebrew term shaveth is like, um, it's the term also used as scepter. So this picture of the, of the shepherd that you're walking with through darkness and in the face of enemy opposition, the scepter is it's a thing for beating things with. It is, a, it is a rod for the sake of dealing with opposition, the wolves or the attackers or whatever. It is not for the sheep. The rod itself is not for the sheep. It's this picture of protection. Like these are the images in Psalm 23 that are on, they're cycling through and they're sort of like, like a snowball. Every time they go around, they get bigger and bigger until the end, it's almost ridiculous how opulent God's protection and God's provision, exactly. And so the, the, the scepter is this rod of protection. And then this other, um, uh, translated as, as a staff, is the, uh, it's like a pruning hook. It's used for hitting a fruit tree, like some dates or something, and hitting it and getting the fruit out of the tree so the animals can enjoy it. It's also used to kind of coax the sheep in line. Like, okay, come on, over here, woo over here, let's go, let's go this way, follow me, right? It's not the beating stick. That is reserved for protection. And I love the combination there of protection and provision. And it's so a good picture of God. And I think as a parent, I feel that way, like, you know, Michelle can tell you when, when she wants to go down to the village or something. Like, I want to go down to the village and hang out with my friends. I'm like, all right, who's there? Like, is your phone on? And I always, what do I always give you, Michelle, every time you go down? Pepper spray. <laughs> and I tell her, spray first and figure out what happened last, okay? Like, just start spraying. And then if it's not a threat, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> so she's always sort of fully armed with pepper spray. And, and it's because, like, as a father... Your heart, and as a mother, your heart's of protection. I'll throw a car at an enemy. Like, I am, I am truly going to protect. And then this other tool of the shepherd is this tool for provision and for guiding you gently back in. And, and I think it's important not to mistake those. Like, that scepter is not for beating sheep. It's not to smack you back in line. The sh- that, that scepter is to smack opposition. And to the other tool is to guide you. And I think it's so cool. The story I, I told at the beach, but I'll tell it here too, is I remember when I was first flying, I never, I don't fly airplanes, but I was flying on a plane. I was young. I was like 18 or 19. And it was right after 9-11. And, and this is kind of dating myself. But I, if you remember right after 9-11, it was just a, a very like scary place sometimes. And the thoughts and the memories and flying became all of a sudden a whole nother set of fear uh, entered in, and I remember we were going to a youth conference, and uh, I was a junior high pastor at the time, and two of our youth workers were these awesome people that volunteered with us, but they were both FBI agents, and they worked in, like, drug ring breakups, I guess. They worked in, like, undercover, and they were they were always armed. They always had, uh, like, a nine millimeter on them at all times, and you'd hug them, whatever, you'd, oh, there's their piece. They always have it. And so to fly to this conference, they actually had to go there an hour early, go through this whole separate check-in process because they were going to be on the plane and they were going to be armed on the plane. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I am not afraid of anything happening at this point. Like, I have two good people that are really good with their guns and they're on the plane and I'm safe. And it was just this moment of, like, I'm not advocating, like, you know, whatever. I'm just saying a story, okay, people? Don't politicize everything. Like, James, that's that leprechaun in your head. So... (laughs) I brought Bray just to be my cooler, just to kind of bring me down to a reality. But anyway, just that picture of protection, of knowing I am safe. And if you're, yeah, so that's kind of those images I thought were really good. Uh, Do you want to do the last one? Yeah, okay, so there's another picture. Isn't that so pretty? So this is, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's like so funny. Like I have enemies and I'm just like a recipient. Like he's prepared this insane banquet. And I one time heard Bill Johnson say that this, uh, talking about the bank, the table before your enemies, is he said he pictured it like an, uh, 
you're sitting at the table and your back is now to your enemies and your enemies are behind you and you're not paying attention anymore because you've got this like feast in front of you. And isn't that such a beautiful, like, he's prepared a whole feast for you. Like you don't, I don't, this whole passage is like so, the entire Psalm 23, there was like a six month period where I read this every morning. I need to do it again. But it's kind of like if you can get it, then that's pretty much everything. Like if you can understand that your Lord is your shepherd, that he is the one that makes you lie down in green pastures, that he's the one that leads you beside quiet waters, that he's the one that restores your soul. I think that the restore your soul part and the enemies shows that I we have this thing where we want to get our ducks in a row and like, I should have read my Bible more or I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that. And this is like, he knows, like he knows exactly who you are. He's got the staff and he's bringing you back. And regardless of your standing, regardless of your ducks not in a row, he has prepared a safe place for you, provided water for you and safety and food. He's restoring your soul. He's prepared a banquet for you and he wants to be with you there and it goes on I'm sorry I'm just gonna keep going oh, yeah, it go. says that he anoints your head with oil which I don't really again, you're not big on anointing your head I with don't oil. really understand a lot of what's happening in this time in history but do you know more about like I'm so glad you asked Braylon <laughs> because as it turns out the ancient generation context no <laughs> no, no, okay, that, so yeah. so this picture is actually, it's a really specific picture, uh, and it's why, <laughs> and it's, it's why, it's really fun to, when you get a chance to, to explore a passage like this and just sit in it and explore the ins and outs of it, because I sort of always pictured like, okay, I'm a sheep, I'm in a pasture, and then it sort of like morphs into a, a image of um, human beings with, with enemies, and you're thinking of David, you're thinking of as the psalm intends for you to think. And I always thought like he puts a little beach blanket down and sets up a little meal and you're eating and like your enemies are there and it seems uncomfortable. The picture is actually much more opulent and extravagant and it's actually kind of like almost hyperbolic where it's the the actual table that's being um, laid out is it the specific term relates to a king's banquet table. And so this is actually a really cool image of it, where like if you can imagine something set up so extravagantly, uh, and then the anointing of the head with oil, and then the, the, the term for filling up my cup, uh, I was listening to it in preparation for this, Baruchat, bless you, my daughter. Um, I was listening to this, these like um, rabbis and then some other singers singing this in Hebrew, and they just kind of do it different ways. And I was just trying to get as much in it as I can, and it was interesting because the... This one singer kept repeating um, which is like, my cup overflows, my cup overflows, my cup overflows. And like, imagine the most expensive drink you can imagine. And you're at a banquet. And maybe it's that vintage from whatever year was great. And you're like, I will open that bottle when I'm, you know, my 25th wedding anniversary or, or if you're big into Capri Sun, whatever good year Capri Sun was. Like, imagine that. And now it's not just have a sip, you know, turn it around, sip it. And okay, cool. And instead they're just like pouring it. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's overflowing. What are you thinking? The images here, to put it in our language today, it's like you're invited onto a super yacht. And, and you hop on a King's Harbor and, and, and someone's showing you around going, okay, these are your quarters. You have your shower here. You have your lounge room here. You have a couple connected bedrooms. Um, you can press this button to page the masseuse, press this button to page the chef. Um, we have some change of clothes. We also have, we can order them online and have them brought to you tomorrow morning. And um, the, it's just like over and up beyond. It's so abundant. And it's in the presence of your enemies in the sense that like this is the picture of our good shepherd, Adonai Roi, our good shepherd that, that leads after us. And um, I'll just pivot to the last point and then you can kind of close this down. You want to do that? Close this up? 
Does that work for you? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, so th- this last piece, and, and then it transitions to, and I love this line, and I'm going to read it in Hebrew because it's one of my favorites. Everyone say, Surely goodness, tov. That's the term in Genesis 1. When God made it, it was tov. It was tov. It was tov ma'od. It was very good. Ach tov. Ach means surely. So, ach. Surely, ach. Surely goodness and order. That's the term. means all that stuff. Goodness, order. And chesed, which you all know if you've heard me preach any time. I bring that up every time, I think. And loving kindness. And then the verb is the verb of enemy pursuit. It's totally playing with these images. Remember how I started by telling you, like, I feel a little bit like I'm trying to stay like Aladdin. You know, one step ahead of the bad guy. Remember that song? Let's go for it. One, two, three. Oh, we planned it, babe. Hold <laughs> But like, you feel like you're Aladdin and all the bad things are coming after you and you have to stay just one step ahead. Otherwise, you're going to get your hand chopped off by all the bad things in life that are definitely coming for you tomorrow, if not tonight. Right? That thinking, which I promise you feeds our news feeds, it, it feeds our po- political discourse for sure. And we all have those little leprechauns in our head telling us, tomorrow's the day when that bad thing happens to you. Instead, what it says is that noise of pursuit that you hear, that army of pursuit is an army of goodness and loving kindness that is hunting you down. Gives me goosebumps. Don't say chicken flesh or like goose pimples. It's goosebumps, people. But it's it's such a true, beautiful image that I wanted to just kind of end my part off with, which is the idea of surely these things are pursuing you. What's coming for you? What's coming after you? It's these things. And I'm, I'm finishing this summer. Some of you know this because you've been walking this with me for a number of years, like five and a half, six years now. But I'm finally finishing a, a, a book on um, second, third, and fourth century Christian martyr literature. So it's looking at this abundance of texts of our ancestors in the faith in some of the most, as they're portrayed in this literature, some of the most um, we would think of ex- excruciating, humiliating, dehumanizing situations. And w- w- the headline that comes from all this literature um, is they understood this psalm better than all the people on all the super yachts ever could. The de- deportment and disposition of these folks as they're portrayed, they are not fearful and trembling. And they're not wailing for the end. It it uses images like they are wearing their chains like golden diadems. They're marching forth like brides heading to their wedding day, like those invited to a feast. I guess my point is, if you know who you are and you know whose you are, there is nothing, no amount of darkness, no amount of enemy fear, no lies, no maelstrom of cultural moments that we're in that can shake this table that is laid before you every single day. And all we have to do in this, the to-do list of this psalm is dwell. <laughs> Go. So pray, bring us home, babe. I, I, I want to end with an image that the Lord reminded me of at the last service, but before that, I think that what well, what brought me to talking to James and getting myself in this position is that I was sharing, like, I see what the Lord, the desires that he's given me, and I see the skills that he's given me, and I'm starting to understand it. I know I've talked Brooke's ear and Kristen's ear off a million times about this in the last month, which is like, we're made in his image. I'm starting to get it. We're made in his image. And he made me like this. And this is a facet of who he is. It's like, Mitch, she has my freckles, but she has James's eyes. And like you have his gift in one way and I have his gift in another and I'm starting to see it in my like human Eve in the garden is like I'll figure it out tomorrow for you Lord and his whole thing is like you're not going to be able to get there on your own like I didn't give you I didn't make you in my image so you could try to conjure it up on your own 
And I'm saying this, but I, like every five minutes, I have to like keep reminding myself of this because I want to, I want to be perfect and I want to have my ducks in a row and I don't want to be a mess. It makes me like cry being a mess, but I'm always a mess. I'm always, my new saying is I'm always leaving something early to get somewhere else late. I'm always a mess. It's ridiculous. And I hate it. And I just want to like be good enough for God and like earn my way in and oh, I see you made me this way. Okay, I'll do it for you, Lord. And I don't know how to get there. And it's so overwhelming and frustrating. And it's, this is so, such a tangent, but don't be mad that I'm saying this, but we have this amazing coffee table that I found this, like, no, it's not your fault. You didn't break it, Michelle. Um, <laughs> I found this amazing piece of like Italian vintage onyx and it was like a huge like 42 inch in diameter and I spent so long building these like con James and I concrete balls to be the legs and I loved it and made me so too many like things make me happy it made me so happy and it accidentally got broken not by Michelli although she took the blame for it for like two months and it wasn't her fault and it's just shattered in sitting on the fireplace and I'm like trying to think of ways to repair it and it is like such a reflection of what is inside that it makes me so sad to see it every day I'm like no it's just like a reflection of how messy I am inside and how I can't figure out like I can't get there and I can't like it I'm always like falling apart and I think meditating in this all week long was such a reminder that I am just a sheep and my I am, all of my needs are taken care of. And not only are my basic needs taken care of, they're abundantly, lavishly taken care of. My dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Her dad's a I rancher. Have, <laughs> and I have nothing to worry about, but I want to worry like every five minutes. And it's this insane table with my cup overflowing and my head anointed with oil, all in the presence of my enemies that I don't even care about anymore because my back is turned to them. And I'm so, like, enamored with this thing. And my only role, like, if you do go through that and you're like, the Lord, he, 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 the only thing that we, I have a part of is having an enemy, is needing my soul to be restored, and to dwell like my only role is to dwell with him and I think gosh if I could just remember that for longer than five minutes my day might be a little bit brighter but there was this thing that popped in my head at the last service and it was this right as we were leaving I'm like oh thank you Lord Zion we are our youngest he's five we adopted him through foster care and the reason that he got called into foster care I'm going to have to apologize again to another kid later, is um, he was, like, spotted, and he was homeless. And he just started noticing homeless people. It's really, like, I don't know, just now. I don't know what the word, it's not ironic, but it's something. He keeps going, Mom, did you see this person doesn't have a home? Isn't that so sad? Did you know there's people that don't have a home? And Mitch and Bricks are looking at each other like, if only he knew, like, he didn't have a home either. And he came to us at five months old, and by the time he could, like, really start moving around, he pretty much established dominance. Like, I run this place. I own this place. It all belongs to me. He's the most entitled human I've ever met. <laughs> and he just, even before, we, we adopted him when he was two, but even in that year and a half, he just, like, ran the place. Like, it's my pool. It's my food. It's my this. And... He was so, like, secure, not like, did I do good enough to earn dinner tonight? Did I do good enough to have this, to sleep in my bed with the roof over my head? Am I, like, he just got it. And that's what Jesus says, right? Like, go back to being a child. Like, be a child. Just know that I have everything you need, and all you have to do is be with me, and I'll show you what to do. And there's nothing to worry about, and, no, and I just... Zion still gets it. I mean, he doesn't quite get the thankfulness part yet, but he is, 
he just gets he negotiates it. Negotiates a lot. He gets it. He thinks he's like everything that is ours is definitely his, and he actually will let us use it sometimes. It's like he gets it. So that's, yeah, yeah, it's such a beautiful picture, and um, I think as we close and we transition to um, to some communion, and we'll have some. Um, Brooke's gonna come up. Yeah, Brooke. Um, I just think the image of the shepherd that we see Jesus appropriate in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And you just get that picture. And maybe some of you are there right now where you are in the valley of death's shadow. And it's so thick, the darkness, that you feel it. And the fear's there. The picture of the good shepherd that is perfected then in Jesus is one who walks into that dark place with you and is actually crushed by that darkness, like literally spreads himself over you, is crushed by that darkness because there is no one and nothing that is going to hurt his sheep on his watch. It's the picture that we celebrate and come full circle in communion. And I just think it's like... Sometimes you, as a preacher, you're like, how do I tie this one into communion? This is the easiest tie-in because it flows directly into our good shepherd. And so uh, Brooke's going to come up. And um, Brooke, do whatever you want, by the way, right now. Like, don't just, we're good. You let us there, James. I feel like I could just pray. But um, communion is a, um, it's just a symbolic way that we, show and remind ourselves that we belong to Jesus, right? That's what it is. And so as we take communion this morning, I was just kind of sitting back there thinking about this picture of our cup overflowing from the text and having the cup that represents Jesus's blood and having the bread that represents his body. And I just wondered if we could just take a minute right now and kind of close our eyes before we receive the communion and just, would you just think about, like if you were standing up here in my place leading communion this morning, what does, what does it mean for you today? For the Lord to be your shepherd. The only reason that we can take it is because he is. What does it mean to you? Let's just ask the Lord right now. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are our shepherd. And because you are our shepherd, we have no want. Because you are our shepherd, we fear no evil. Because you are our shepherd, you restore our soul. Because you are a shepherd, you anoint our head with oil. Because you are a shepherd, our cup overflows. Because you are a shepherd, goodness and mercy follow us. Follow us, pursue us. March after us. Lord, what is this, what is this bread, this, just this morning, what does this bread and what does this juice mean to us personally? What are you for us this morning? Church family, would you share, would you just take a minute and share what the Lord is for you this morning? What is this? cup? What is this bread? What is it for you today? You can just say, you don't need a microphone. Does anybody want to share? The shadow of death. because we don't want to just take it. 
for the sake of taking it. We want to really receive it from the Lord this morning. We're not about checking that box. I warned you at the beginning. Lord, we thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for being our shepherd at the oncology visit on Thursday and through temptation and when you gently guide us back. all the times we blow it, knowing that your grace is sufficient, giving us life. For me this morning, Lord, satisfaction just in you, in you alone. Lord, what a celebration it is that we get to receive communion this morning, that we get to receive this symbol of your love for us, of your kindness. Even though the, the music is mellow, I just want to just shout for joy because it's, it's just, it's everything for us, Lord. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for chance to be together as the body of Christ, to process and figure this out, to sit under James and Bray's teaching. Thank you for leading and guiding us. We love you so much, Lord. We take this bread and this cup in remembrance of you. Thank you for what it means to us this morning. Lord, would we, um, would we never do things just for the sake of doing them, but Lord, would you just stir up our hearts as we um, as we just long for you and obey your word because we love you. Thank you. We pray all this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. Why don't we shout for joy in our last worship song together, reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus, who he has said that we are, and thanking him for being our shepherd. Why don't you stand as we sing together?